You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, May 24th, 2022. On today's episode of the show, we are going to gather around the virtual water cooler and talk about what we've been up to. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor, Y Trampoy. Hey, everyone. HT, how is it going? How are you? It's been a while, hasn't it? I'm doing well. You know, it's wedding season right now, so I've just been flitting back and forth between uh, New York and Virginia, honestly, because that's where a lot of either family or friends are having weddings funnily enough oh cool so is there uh how many do you have uh i guess like on the docket coming up do you have a bunch left or have you just been you know barreling through a bunch of them i'm halfway through right now i went to two in the past like month and a half and then i have two more but they're actually those last two are not actually till like september slash october okay so yes i have a little bit of time before wedding season truly ends nice yeah i've been taking a, a quick little jaunt myself uh, my wife and i went to destin florida which is sort of on the um on the end of the panhandle almost uh and uh spent some time at the beach there with her family and it was really nice um getting to go down to the beach for a few hours and then you know spending uh, this was last week and i i worked most of the week but um you know having a little bit of downtime to uh to just chill out on the beach and like decompress and relax was was super um rejuvenating i would highly recommend it if you're near the beach <laughs> go go to the beach i actually hadn't been i i moved to florida in back in uh, 2020 
and my wife and I had not been to the beach since. You're in Florida, we, but you hadn't been to the beach. <laughs> I know, and we're only like 45 minutes, maybe an hour away from the beach, but um, we've just been so busy with everything, you know, just like life always gets in the way. So I'm, this is a, a reminder for myself as much as everybody else out there who has access to the beach, just go. It's really cool. So, <laughs> um, HG, you've also been uh, appearing on a podcast. Hi, I'm talking about some men over at the Slash Film cast. They invited me to talk about uh, the Alex Garland film Men on their latest episode. Uh, I have linked it in the show notes, so check it out. But uh, here are all my thoughts about men, uh, both the film and the gender <laughs> alike <laughs> in that podcast. Um, I think I have cooled to it a little bit, but I still liked it, I think, a lot more than <laughs> the majority of the uh of of the people i guess you would say of the mm. people so um but yeah it's it's got its problems but of course men is very much an alex garland movie so you got i have to appreciate for that yeah i'm looking forward to checking that one out um i just wanted to mention quickly that i read a couple books uh sort of in and around my time on the beach um joan didion's the white album and james baldwin's notes of a native son uh, i would recommend both i think i had a little bit more um respect for Notes of a Native Son and like pure enjoyment out of the White Album. I don't know. Have you read either of these books, HD? I haven't read either of these, um, but they sound intriguing. Yeah. The, the White Album in particular is one that's like, you know, I, I want to say that, uh, what was her name? Aubrey Plaza's character in, uh, God, what <laughs> the movie from several years ago that like, I think it was Peter's like favorite movie of the year. Um, oh, it's like a little I, indie oh, movie. Ingrid. Yes, something. Ingrid goes west. Ingrid yeah. goes west. Yes, that's the one. Oh yeah, the movie that he fought very hard to be on our best movies of the decade list. Yeah, it was almost a joke that Aubrey Plaza's character, or like some of the characters in that movie, were reading this book because it's sort of like this um, totemic California kind of book. Because the whole thing is like Joan Didion's experiences in the '60s and sort of um, in and around like what the what the culture was like in the aftermath of the Manson murders and sort of like how California changed from. Uh, what was happening before and and then how that uh, event and that time period, that sort of tumultuous era um, shook up the culture. And then it's a lot of essays really. And that's what um, James Baldwin's book notes of a native son is too. It's a collection of essays. So uh, kind of weird books to read on the beach, I guess, but um, I mean, <laughs> you know, I not... read, I read an autobiography of like Ursula K. No, I read a collection of essays of Ursula K. Le Guin at beach so you can read whatever you want <laughs> all right there we go i appreciate that uh so yeah baldwin's pieces is uh or those that collection of essays is much more like um there's almost like some some literary criticism thrown in there there's like his experiences in paris um in i want to say the 50s um and just like the uh out of placeness that he sort of felt being an american a black american in paris at, at that period and sort of grappling with the um with a lot of like bigger issues and, and Didion stuff is much more like about her personal experience. Like the, those essays are much more um, zeroed in than Baldwin's sort of like big picture kind of stuff. But anyway, both good books. Um, okay. Let's move into what we've been watching. Uh, Ishi, you and I have been watching the new season of stranger things, which we can't really talk about yet, but uh, I think that will explain why I don't have a ton to talk about here. You haven't been on the podcast for a while, so you actually do have a lot to talk about, um, I but I will, uh, just blow through really quickly a few things that I have been watching. Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Have you seen this yet? Oh, actually, I have watched. I forgot to note that I did. Yes. Also, great movie. 
Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, the it's directed by Akiva Schaefer of The Lonely Island, and uh, it stars the the voice talents of John Mulaney and uh, Andy Samberg and several other you know high profile comedians. And um, I, I think it was Chris who said that it kind of reminded him as if it, as something like if Shane Black directed Who Framed Roger Rabbit or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and it definitely has that vibe because it's it's sort of like a like a nineties. Uh, adventure mystery story, but also there's like a ton of meta humor and meta jokes and references to not just Disney canon, but all sorts of animation and animated properties uh, on top of that. So not only is it a hybrid live action slash animated film, it's also got the, a commentary on the CG animation craze. And (laughs) it's like within the, 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 the fabric of the movie itself, which is so fascinating the way that they did it and really funny and smart. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I would 100% recommend watching this. We laughed, my wife and I watched this together and laughed a lot. Like uh, it's, it, maybe it won't work for everybody. I don't know. I found it to be pretty accessible um, just from my perspective, but um, I don't know, maybe, maybe it might be a little bit too meta for its own good in certain places, but I thought it really, really worked for what it was trying to do. And um, I appreciated all the sort of deep cut references and all that kind of stuff. So it's a sort of a surface level movie for me. Like, I don't really think it's trying to do much um, in terms of like, you know, uh, advancing any sort of like greater themes or like digging at anything, any sort of, um, you know, buried truths in, a, in the human experience or anything. But no, it's, no. Um, it's a very like, uh, if, if we're looking at all of the, times that Disney has resurrected its its own intellectual property and tried to capitalize on that to tell new stories. I think this is the most purely enjoyable of those to me anyway. Yeah. And it's both a satire and also a love letter in a way to the properties and, and a, a satire of like the reboot mania. And I think the way it balances those two things without feeling either too uh, aggrandizing or too uh, mean-spirited is mm-hmm. pretty like kind of amazing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I also watched this movie called Mad Holiday that aired on Turner Classic Movies recently. Uh, it's directed by this guy named George B. Seitz. This is from 1936. And the reason that I watched this is because I read the premise and I was like, oh, I'm instantly hooked by this. So it's about a an actor who plays a uh, film detective who is the main character in a series of novels. And he is bored with playing this character over and over again. He's sort of like sick of the whole thing. And he decides to take a cruise ship uh, and and like go on a vacation on this cruise and get away from the whole thing and leave his, his uh, whole world behind and like walk away from his Hollywood career basically. But uh, on the ship, there is a young woman there and he realizes that this woman is the author of the mystery novels that uh, you know that that uh, encase the character that he <laughs> that he plays in the movies, and then the two of them actually stumble into a real life murder mystery on this cruise ship. Um, the description, as I just described it, is maybe a little bit more entertaining than the the actual movie. Like the the um, film can't quite live up to the promise of that premise, but it is still uh, relatively enjoyable. It's only like an hour and 10 minutes long or something like that. So if you uh, are intrigued by that at all, it, there's some pretty good stuff in it. It's not like um, a life-changing uh, <laughs> movie experience or like one, one of my favorite films from the 30s, but Mad Holiday is, uh, is worth a watch, I would say. Uh, and then the last thing that I watched is this movie called New York Ninja. Have you ever heard of this, HT? 
I've never heard of this. Okay, I'm trying to look up what year. This is a complicated movie. So it came out in 2021, but it was actually originally shot in 1984 by this guy named John Liu, who also starred in the movie. And um, it's one of those movies that like the, it was never uh, finished and the footage just laid dormant in a basement somewhere or whatever. And then um, a different company acquired it recently and uh, this guy named Curtis Spieler quote unquote redirected the movie. So they didn't have any of the audio, the original audio that was captured in the eighties. So they had to do a whole basically reconstruction. They ADR'd all of the dialogue and they got a bunch of different actors to come in and do not like big name actors, but modern people to come in and, and provide all the voiceovers for all the different characters. And it's sort of like a, um, like a, not quite sleazy, but not quite clean exploitation movie about a guy whose uh, wife is murdered in essentially the opening scene of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then he, he takes on this um, almost like this mantle of the, he becomes like a, a superhero type of character, like a vigilante character named the New York Ninja. And he, uh, he just goes around like dispensing justice to the gangs that are, um, you know, kidnapping women and doing terrible things all throughout the city. Uh, there's also a guy who I want to say his name was like plutonium man or something like that. This guy who like has developed some sort of addiction to plutonium and he's like the super villain of the whole piece. It's a, it's a really weird movie. Um, what is this movie? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really, it's very bizarre and, and it's really like uh, cheaply made and in a way that I, th- the only thing that I, so I, I generally like movies like this. I don't know if you ever saw Miami connection HD. That seems no, like a movie that you would yeah. really, really enjoy because it's a similar thing. Yeah where it came out in, or it was originally shot in the eighties. That one actually was not finished until years later, but it was completed by the same people. I think that, that originally shot it, you know, decades beforehand. So there's a, um, a consistency in tone and like a, an intent that remained sort of um, tied to the heart of the movie in Miami connection that I felt in a way that I didn't really feel with New York Ninja, where it sort of feels like, somebody else came in and and finished this thing. And because the footage is kind of crappy, honestly, um, it, it kind of feels like some of the personality is missing from this piece because I would have really enjoyed to see, seeing like what the original vision of this thing was going to be with the original people, but they just like ran out of money and their production company closed down and they had to sell off this footage or like just abandon it basically. So, um, I, you know, on one hand, I'm glad that something like this exists because for all the people who worked on it, it must be cool to see this thing finally come to light, you know, all these years later. But at the same time, it just, it feels like the authorial intent is uh, a little bit compromised because it's split between two different eras. So uh, this was also on Turner Classic Movies, so I'm not sure if this is streamable anywhere, but um, it's called New York Ninja, if you want to check that out. Uh, HD, what have you been watching? I've been watching a lot of stuff, so it's been, I think, more than months I've been here, so I'm going to kind of speed run through a bunch of these. But first, I want to talk about RRR, the uh, Indian Telugu language film directed by S.S. Rajamuli, uh, which is sort of the surprise global blockbuster hit of the year. And I saw it mm, about a month ago, and I'm about to see it again on June 1st because it's coming back to theaters in the U.S. for one night only because this movie is amazing, Ben. This movie might be the best movie I've ever seen. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) It's as if 
the filmmaker, uh, Ra- whose name I just said, I forgot, to, Ra- <laughs> Rajamuli, um, was like, how, what if I put everything that they ever done in film on the screen and just did it 10 times over, turned up to 11, just this maximalist epic that is full of melodrama, betrayal, musical sequences, um, the romance of the of the century. It's <laughs> it's it's the it's incredible. So basically, it tells the story of um, these two Indian um, revolutionaries during British colonial period, and it actually kind of imagines that they were friends together because. Uh, these two revolutionaries were active at the same time period, but it's never been confirmed or there's never, no evidence that they actually met. Oh, so they're movie, playing real characters. They're playing real characters. Or real, real people from human yeah. history. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this movie imagines, what if they were best friends? And not, if, not just what if they were best friends. What if they were the best of friends and they were embroiled <laughs> in this, uh, this conspiracy and assassination and betray- and incredible romance that ends in betray- in betrayal it's it's um i feel like i'm not explaining it well just because it's so amazing but yes they're they're the way that they imagine these two meeting and becoming the best of friends is through this this most like testosterone laden uh sequence ever and um it's so stylish it's so visually stimulating overstimulating even uh I have seen it compared to the Zack Snyder movie, If It Were Good. Wow. <laughs> um, which uh, I can kind of actually see that. But um, yeah, it's it's an incredible film that I cannot o- overstate how much the experience of watching this is just like a shot of adrenaline to the heart. Man, I can't wait to see this. So I, we should say that a version of this is streaming on Netflix right yes. now, right? It's um, the Hindi language version, though. Uh, so it's not in the original Telugu language. Uh, and with the Hindi dub, it actually changes a few things. I was talking to Sadant Atlaka, who has been a, been a big promote, pro- proponent of RR. Um, but uh, apparently there's like a few minute changes and the songs are actually quite different because they changed the lyrics. So the big viral song from this movie, which is called Natu Natu, I think it means like dance, dance or something. It's changed to Nacho Nacho, which mm. is in, in, in Hindi. So it's it might be a little bit just different in like those kind of regards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I this movie was not in theaters around me and I saw that it's on Netflix. So I immediately added it to my queue. It's also three hours long. Um, mm-hmm. So I have not had time to watch it yet, but I plan on doing that sometime soon. And then you mentioned that it's coming back to theaters for one night only. I think it's June 1st mm-hmm. is the day that that's happening. And it is coming to a theater near me. I just can't decide whether because it's like I think it's one one night only, which is like a Wednesday, I think the June 1st date is, if I'm getting my <laughs> dates correct. correctly. Yes. And then it's only at one time, like 6.30 p.m. or something in the theater near me. So I don't know if that's uh, limited to the the theatrical sort of uh, landscape right around me in, in North Florida or what. But um, it's just like so specific and like, do I have to go – rearrange my entire night to go see this three hour uh, epic movie or can I just watch it whenever I get some free time and watch it on Netflix at home I don't know um, 
But I wanted to put that out there so people can make the decision for themselves. Uh, if you want to see it theatrically, it sounds like you'll have the opportunity in in a lot of cities anyway, um, more than just like where it got its original theatrical run. So. Yes. And I do know it's actually screaming, streaming in Telugu um, in a at a in a streaming service that I don't know off the top of my head. Um, let me see. I'm going to look it up right now in a really okay. fun piece of podcasting. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the Chris was saying like, oh, it is streaming in the proper language, but you have to have a subscription to this one service, and it's not like one of the normal uh, traditional subscriptions. ZEE5. It's a relatively new Indian streaming service. So yes, you'll have to have a sub- subscription to that. Okay. Um, and then real quick before we move off this topic, HD, how familiar are you with movies of this type because for me like i think i saw i saw this movie called rowdy rathor in Mm -hmm. 2012 um in theaters because i saw the trailer and was like this looks like a good entrance to the sort of uh, what i perceive to be like over the top action uh you know um just like super highly stylized Bollywood kind of action film genre that I had not really um, partaken in before. And I really enjoyed that theatrical experience, geez, a decade ago now, but I have not really gone beyond that. This is not a genre that I'm super familiar with. So when you're talking about this movie being so, you know, over the top and, and just, um, you know, ridiculous in the best possible ways, is that, uh, do you have enough base of a knowledge to to compare that to other movies of this type and say that that, that RRR goes even beyond that? Or is this just like sort of um, this year's version of uh, the sort of zany uh, Bollywood action extravaganza? I've, I'll admit that I have a pretty service level um, a knowledge of Bollywood films, but I have seen a handful enough to say that I think that this blows them all out of the water. Wow. RRR okay. is just more high octane and more stylized than any other Bollywood movie that I've seen. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've seen like a couple of ones like Doom, which is actually I recommend that one because it's the, um, it's the Bollywood knockoff version of the Fast and Furious franchise Sweet. <laughs> um, and uh, has some great songs as well. And I've seen a couple of like the epic romances um, that I, I, can't t- uh, name off the top of my head but mm-hmm. um yeah a couple i've seen i have a lot of um pakistani uh friends that we will have like sleepovers and we'll watch like a bollywood movie and it will be like a three hour long thing so. <laughs> awesome okay so that's rrr and uh yeah it sounds like hd would definitely recommend this i'm i'm guessing this is going to be a, a major player when it comes to our big discussion at the end of the year of like favorite movie moments so oh yes um, and it's already on our best movies of 2022 so far list too oh yeah we'll link to that in the show notes so you can check that out too um what else you've been watching hd I've also watched The Northman. That was a while ago, right? That's how long it's been since I've been on this podcast. Good movie. Uh, my least favorite of Robert Edgar's films, but still something so new and wild and uh, artistic and ballsy in terms of just um, revenge flicks. So there is, there's still so much to love and to like about The Northman, uh, which has an incredible Alexander Skarsgård uh, performance at the center of it. Uh, check out my review on slashfilm.com. Uh, I also uh, saw Doctor Strange the Multiverse of Madness and I reviewed that for Slash Film, which you can also check out. I liked it. Um, I like the Sam Raimi of it all. I know I'm warmer on it than a lot of people are, um, but I did think that the Raimi-ness of that third act really saved it from being just another cog in the Marvel machine, even if it is very explicitly a cog in the Marvel machine. So, mm-hmm. you know, 
I enjoyed it for what it was. I'm not the hugest defender of it, but still, good time at the movies. Uh, more good times at the movies. Uh, I watched the new A24 family film, the first A24 family film, called Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. And this is by far one of my favorite movies of the year. It's based off of a series of viral short films uh, directed by Dean Fletcher Camp, who returns to direct uh, the feature film version of this uh, with Jenny Slate starring as Marcel, which is a one-inch tall shell that um, is sentient and talks in the most adorable voice, um, but has been abandoned by his entire family apart from his uh, elderly uh grandmother and after he runs he meets Dean Fletcher Camp's character which is a director who decides to do a documentary on Marcel uh, Marcel vows to find his family and use the power of the internet who have all fallen in love with Marcel's charms to try to find them and reunite with them once again it's just a completely sweet wonderful lovely little movie that kind of reminds me of a Studio Ghibli movie, if you were to put it under a millennial filter, hmm. it's got this, yeah, very wholesome, very um, cozy feeling to it while still having that undercurrent of, of melancholy that I love in a lot of my Ghibli films that suddenly just take you by surprise and you suddenly you're crying at the end over a shell. <laughs> so it's it's incredible. Um, this one comes out June 24th. I saw it quite early. So I recommend seeing Marcel the Shell with shoes on in theaters when you get the chance. I saw a couple of these short films that this was sort of like sprung forth from many, many years ago, maybe 10 years ago or something at this point. And I remember them and I haven't seen them since, but I remember them being very quiet and subdued and, um, yeah, kind of like you're saying, just like, uh, you know, they, they sort of lull you in with the vibes a little bit. And mm -hmm. does this movie, I haven't seen a trailer or anything for this movie yet. Does this movie sort of uh, capture you in the same way? Does it have that sort of uh, low key, almost like, um, you know, what it reminds me of is like the, the rock sequence from everything everywhere all at once, yes. where it just like gives you an opportunity to pause for a minute in the craziness of life. Does yeah. it have that feel to it? Oh yeah. It really maintains that. And it's kind of the whole sort of thematic, um, under like through line of this film too, is that it, Marcel's whole thing is, you know, appreciating life as it is. And that's kind of the, the feeling that the whole, the whole film gives to you too. So yes, very much that kind of lulling you into this sense of security and warmth. Excellent. So um, other movies I saw, I also watched the Bob's Burgers movie, um, which is coming to theaters this Friday. Uh, good movie. That's just a good time at the, at the movie theater, but um, it is kind of basically a an extra long episode of the tv series but it still is a, a fun time it, it's a noir uh inspired riff um on the show where the belcher family have to um figure out the the mystery of a body that has appeared in a sinkhole in front of their store oh wow yes <laughs> so it gets quite dark um but it's all about them trying to raise enough funds to keep the store open or else they might get their 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 store repossessed and the murder is all part of that as well it's but it's still like just as fun and funny and witty as the show is um which i've only seen like a handful of episodes from as well i mostly watched it in college um but yeah, a fun, a fun, good time, especially for fans of Bob's Burgers. And if you're not a fan, 
you can still enjoy it too. It's very good for newcomers to the series. Um, You can check out my review on SlashFilm.com. It's AAPI Heritage Month, Ben. Happy AAPI Heritage Month. I recently published a list on SlashFilm of the best AAPI movies that you can stream right now. Um, I basically look limited to movies either directed by or starring Asian American casts. Um, and uh, I included Better Luck Tomorrow, which is a movie that I'd see- I saw for the first time just now for this list. Oh, man. This yeah. is a great movie. What do you think about it? I loved it. My God, Justin Lin just completely um, out of the gate running with this film, uh, which follows a bunch of um, bored, overachieving Asian American students in high school who turn to a life of petty crime um, of selling computer parts and various other things, but their crimes soon escalate and results in the murder of a fellow student. And um, it's so great. It's so energetic. It's so um, – it's got that, you know, that that frenet- freneticism to it mm-hmm. that uh, feels very of the time, like early 2000s, late 90s, uh, very yellow-hued, very sweaty, um, and it feels like that – is just the energy is just coursing through its veins and it um it's a fantastic fantastic movie um that i think was pretty groundbreaking for at the time it it showed you know asian characters who were really lacking in that kind of morality that the stereotype that typically associated them with so that was just exciting to see and it feels still so fresh now as it did i assume um, when it came out. So yeah, it came out in what, like 99 or so, or yeah, to 2002, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about Sung Kang in this? Because there's, he's you know, there's great. been a lot of theories about how he's playing the same character in the Fast and Furious well, movies. Well, the Wikipedia page links to his character as being the same character in the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't doubt that he at least took the template for this character and just kind of, uh, Justin Lin did and just kind of brought him over to Fast and Furious. He's so cool. Yeah. So, so just like oozing coolness and oozing all that charisma and every scene that he's in. John Cho is great too. He's also in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of funny because Sun Kang and uh, John Cho are obviously not high school aged <laughs> when they're starring in this film. I think John Cho would star in Harold and Kumar literally a year later. And um, Sun-, Sun Kang is like obviously not a high school like senior. <laughs> and you're like, wow, he's, why is he hanging out with all these kids? <laughs> but other than that, like, I didn't, that didn't take me out of the film at all. I, I just I really really enjoyed it. So better yeah. luck tomorrow. Streaming now um, on Roku. It looks like Roku. Yes, you can look at my list to see where it's streaming. <laughs> and quick shout out to Perry Shen as well, who plays like the main character mm-hmm. in this, because I know that uh, that Sung Kang and and uh, John Cho are like the big names from this movie, or they would go on to become big names. But I really enjoyed Perry Shen's performance as well. He's yeah. like the the sort of center of the of the story. So yeah, he's um, got like the, a nice wide eyed sort of countenance to him and mm-hmm. he's great um so other movies i saw uh i ca- oh actually that's the movies for now i caught up with better call Saul only season five though i'm not caught up with season six which i know just hit its mid-season finale and i've been i was straying away from spoilers as much as possible because i know it's incredible god season five is is amazing Ben, do you watch Better Call Saul? You watch it, right? No, I haven't. I mean, my <gasps> no. wife and I watched the first season. We're huge Breaking Bad fans. We watched the first season and like the uh, the whole Chuck thing with like the uh, aluminum foil and like the <laughs> or whatever it was like metal mm-hmm. um, aversion and like uh, I just 
could not get into the first season. And I know, I know, I know I've heard from so many people like this is one of the best shows on TV. And I believe all of you when you say this, but the thought of the problem is we watched season one as it was airing. And that was mm-hmm. what, 2013 or something like that. Maybe mm-hmm. 2015. I don't know. A long time ago, many, many years ago. So the, the notion now of having to rewatch a season that we, my wife and I both like did not connect with at all in order to get to the good stuff is just so daunting when there are so many other things to watch. So maybe one day we'll eventually get to it. Um, but uh, I know I'm missing out on like a cultural touchstone here um, <laughs> with this the decision. Best character to s- writing I've seen on TV. Uh, yeah. like, honestly, it's incredible, Ben. But. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe like next year or something, we'll do it. I don't remember when. When is the back half of season six supposed to come out? Um, that's a good question. Is that this? Is that later this year? I, I think know, it's like later this said, year. I okay, think they're just splitting right. it up by a few months. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way I'm gonna have time to to catch up on everything in between there. But it sounds like you will because you're you all you have to do is catch up on one half of a season now left, yes. right? God, yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm so scared for Kim Wexler, one of the best <laughs> TV characters ever as well. Just great stuff. Okay. Just the, the the American tragedy of Better Call Saul, I think, is so much more pronounced in this show than it was in Breaking Bad. And mm. that's all I'll say to try to convince you for one last time. <laughs> well, something that I didn't need any convincing to watch was Starstruck Season 2. And I don't know you didn't either because you're a big fan of uh, Season oh, 1 yes. just like I was. Oh, God. Starstruck Season 2. Just as fun, just as charming, just as great as Season 1. I wasn't sure whether they could maintain it for another season just because Season 1 is such this great self-contained romance. I loved how it jumped from season to season with these sort of brief uh, brushes between these two characters who only should, like see each other like every three months or every <laughs> six months even um, and still like strike up such an enduring romance um, and one that's so funny too. Uh, so I wondered how they could pull it off in with them being in a relationship in season two and they do. It's it's so good. Um, it, uh, it does kind of fall into the pitfalls of like what happens after people are in a relationship. You, in, you insert all of these needless conflicts but there are not to the point where it's actually annoying and contrived. Right. You know, it feels very much in line with the characters as we've come to know and love them. 100%. Yeah, I, I just really enjoyed spending more time with this, these people, even though some of the things that they were doing, I kind of rolled my eyes at a little bit. Like, I, I would say that season two is not quite as essential as season one, just in terms of like the overall narrative that they're telling. But it's just, it's just so much fun to be back in that world and, and spend time with these people. I, I really love the final scene in the lake. I thought oh, it was yeah. such a funny riff off of those kind of big romantic scenes that you see with those big gestures. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was done so well and so funny. Um, so I, I really like season two. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> Streaming now on HBO Max. Um, another movie, another show, sorry, that I caught up on um, very quickly was Bridgerton season two. I watched the first season actually like half – paying attention just because I did not care about season one. I only wanted to get to season two because that particular type of relationship, which is the mutual pining relationship where it's all really intense loaded stares and brushes of the fingertips is exactly my cup of tea. So that's what happens in season two? That's all of season two. Mm, It's all loaded gazes and stares. And uh, I ate it all up. It's still not a great show. It's still it's a pretty bad show. It's trashy <laughs> in like a really fun way. But um, I I will say in season two, it does kind of take the premise 
a little too far where you're just like, okay, we get it. You guys like can't be together and you guys mm-hmm. keep staring at each other. Like stop. it's got to like evolve that relationship a little bit somehow, especially over the course of eight episodes. But um, for the most part, the chemistry between um, the two characters who are at the center of it, and I'm going to try to remember their names because I don't remember. It was- <laughs> <laughs> uh, the characters who are played by, let's see, the cast is... Um, Jonathan Bailey and Simone Ashley, their chemistry is off the charts. So, uh, it was, it was really enjoyable. Um, Bridgerton season two, I wouldn't recommend it as highly as everything else that I just mentioned, (laughs) but it's good if you are hungover from a night of karaoke. (laughs) Oh man, put that in the trailer. That sounds like a great pull quote. I love that. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode. I'm going to link to as many of these things as I can in, in the show notes, just sort of scattered all throughout. We have a lot of reviews. Um, I'm going to link to uh, HT's big pop culture imports column that she wrote with 25 AAPI movies uh, and, and TV shows to stream right now, which is a beast of an article, but like in the best way. And there's so much good stuff in here that I, I mean, we I think both of us can say that like we recommend this stuff um, almost without reservation. So, um, so many good things and, and definitely worth digging into uh, as this month sort of rounds out and comes to a close. So, um, yeah, that'll pretty much do it for us. You can find more about everything that we talked about at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes for the episode. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.